In the year 161 AD, Christians came under severe persecution from the Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius. Brought before the tribunal and the crowd, Polycarp, an 86-year-old Christian bishop, refused to deny Christ. Although the proconsul begged him, he said, Consider yourself, have pity on your great age, reproach Christ and I will release you. Polycarp replied, 86 years I've served him and he never once wronged me. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? Threatened with wild beasts and fire, Polycarp stood his ground. What are you waiting for? Do whatever you please. The crowd demanded Polycarp's death, gathering wood for the fire and preparing to tie him to the stake. Leave me, he said. He who will give me strength to sustain the fire will help me not to flinch from the pile. So they bound him, but they didn't tie him to the stake. As soon as Polycarp finished the prayer, the fire was lit. But it leapt up around him, leaving him unburned until the people convinced a soldier to plunge a sword into him. When he did, so much blood gushed out that the fire was immediately extinguished. The soldiers then placed his body into a fire and burned it to ashes, which some Christians later gathered up and buried properly. Over the last few weeks we've been learning about the spiritual battle and the armour of God and today we've gotten to the shield of faith. Now what is the shield of faith? Did Polycarp have faith? Or did he die because his faith wasn't strong enough? Here's a prayer request that I've found. There's a website called persecution.com. Uh, Voice of the Martyrs is the organisation that has it and tells the story of, of um, people who are dying for Christ and suffering for Christ throughout the world and it shares prayer requests that we can pray about. And this is headed, Pray for Camus Believers in Laos. A group of 20 Camus families have faced severe persecution over the last 10 years and many are faltering in their faith. After helping build a new church in May 2004, three church leaders were arrested and district authorities burned the church in an attempt to stamp out the foreign faith. Recently, church members attending a Voice of the Martyrs sponsored discipleship training event told Voice of the Martyrs contacts that one of the church leaders had died in prison after being denied food for two weeks. Eight of the families became so discouraged by the harassment that they renounced their faith. The 54 believers from the remaining 12 families continue to face hardships. Lex 17 dropped out of school because his parents cannot afford to pay his school fees and some of his friends have tried to discourage his Christian faith. His 19-year-old sister Ong is in her last two years of secondary school and she wants to go to Bible school because she says there is no next generation of leadership for the church. These are, are real issues that, that real people, real Christians are facing. Now last week we were urged to put on the shoes of readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. 
And godly readiness is to be so thankful for our change in status, so thankful that we're no longer what we were, but we're now being changed. We, we once used to be far off from God, but now we've been brought near. We once used to be strangers to God. We, we once used to be totally cut off, but now we're in, we're in an intimate relationship with him. And we are, the shoes of readiness is that we are so thankful for this that, that we would say, yes, Lord, even before I know what you're calling me to, I'm already saying yes, yes. Even before I know what mission you're going to send me on, whether it be here or whether it be far away, whether it be today or whether it be in ten years' time, I'm already saying yes. So, when Lord, when you tell me that you want me to do something, I don't even have to think about it. I'm already saying yes right now. Now, that's the shoes of readiness that come from the gospel of peace. And for many Christians throughout history and in the world today, they say... Yes, Lord, I will stand strong. Yes, Lord, I will still hold on to my faith in you. Yes, Lord, I will stand strong and never deny you. Yes, Lord, I will hold on to my faith. Even if I should die, I will never, ever deny you. Because we in the West have it pretty good, we often have a very shallow idea of what faith is. And so some of us, when we think of the shield of faith, we think of faith as something, if I believe hard enough and if I don't doubt, then I'm going to receive some kind of physical blessing or some kind of physical prosperity. If I have enough faith that it's going to rain, then, hey, I'm going to get a good crop or, or the drought will break and the cows are going to get fat. If I have enough faith then God is going to take away this cancer. If I have enough faith, then I'll be able to afford a nice home and a comfortable retirement. If I have enough faith, my sick child will live. And we may even judge others for their lack of faith. Oh, look, the reason that you're not being healed is because you don't have enough faith. The reason you're always struggling financially is because you don't have enough faith. You know, if you just stood on your faith that God is going to provide instead of worrying about it and working for yourself, you're going to get everything you ever desire. Well, I'm here today to tell you that that is not the shield of faith. That's a very shallow concept of faith. And it's a concept of faith which gets pushed upon many of us. If there's only one thing that you take away from today's message, I want you to remember this. The shield of faith is Christ-centred faith. Alright? The shield of faith is Christ-centred faith. Now hopefully you'll recall that as I introduced the topic of the spiritual battle a few weeks ago in the armour of God, I said this is not a new topic that Paul is bringing up. What he's doing is he's summing up the rest of the letter to the Ephesians. He's already addressed the topics of truth, the gospel, righteousness, salvation, the word of God and faith. All of these he's already spoken to, uh, to us in length in the letter. And what he's doing now is he's summing up the letter but he's also bringing out the spiritual significance of each of these things. So if we want to know what this shield of faith is, 
Well, maybe we should go back into the earlier parts of the letter and see what Paul says to us about faith. And this is what he says. And he actually says a fair bit about faith. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Ephesians 2, verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 3 verse 11. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realised in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith, In him, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. You get that? He doesn't have faith that that everything's going to go well for him. Here he is, he's suffering. Now what faith is he talking about? Is he talking about faith that he's going to get out of jail? No, that's not what he's saying at all. He's talking about faith that we have through Jesus Christ. A faith which transcends our suffering. Which one are we up to, Robin? 3.17? Ephesians 3.17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Ephesians 4, verse 4, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Ephesians 4, verse 11, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Every instance of faith that Paul has talked about right throughout his letter has been Christ-centred faith. It's not faith that something in particular is going to happen. It's not faith that we're going to get something. It's faith in Christ. It's not faith for abundance. It's not even faith for health or for well-being. The shield of faith is Christ-centred faith. Any other kind of faith is shallow. It's something which undervalues true Christ-centred faith. Any other kind of faith is carnal. That means it's fleshly, it's worldly. It's a craving of the flesh rather than the craving of the spirit. 
any other kind of faith is deceitful. It misleads us, it distracts us, it gives us false hopes and it leads us to unspiritual and empty prayers. I hope you can remember a few weeks ago we we talked about what it means to pray in the Spirit. And um, what it means to pray in the Spirit is to recognise the spiritual reality behind what's going on and therefore we can start praying in the Spirit. And so... If, if my faith is, oh, that, that, um, that it's going to rain tomorrow, yeah, then I'm just going to be praying, Lord, send the rain. Yep, Lord, I believe with all my heart it's going to rain tomorrow. Send the rain. That's not a spiritual prayer. But when I realise that faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, then I can start praying the spiritual prayer. I can be praying for my children that they will, that faith will grow and develop in them. I can be praying for my neighbours that faith would be growing and developing in them. I can pray for the persecuted church because I realise that, that, that the attacks that are coming against them to try and take away their faith, I realise where they're coming from. And I can pray, Lord, I pray against what Satan is doing. And Lord, I pray that you would strengthen this person's faith. Let them not fall away from you. Let them stand strong. Ultimately, if our faith is not centred on the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel, it will become a faith that disappoints, fades and fails. If I was to preach a different gospel this morning, if I was to preach, come to Christ and everything is going to go well for you, I'd probably get a fair few converts. But it's not true faith that they're coming to. True faith is in Christ. It's not in good and nice things that are going to happen today or tomorrow. So what's the spiritual significance of faith? In this battle between God and his angels and Satan and his demons, a battle in which we're involved, where does faith fit in? Well, chapter 6, verse 16 says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Now, what that means is we need the shield of faith all the time and in addition to all of the rest of the armour. Not just sometimes. And not just on its own. In all circumstances. When things are going good, we need to hold on to our faith. When things are going bad, we need to hold on to our faith. When you're stuck in the middle of the same old daily mundane routine of normality, we need to hold on to our faith. Now it's really interesting, when the people of Israel were about to enter into the promised land, they read out out the um, Ten Commandments again. And says, now when everything's going well for you, when you've entered into this land and everything's going rosy, you're going to forget about God. What a terrible indictment on people. And yet we can be so much the same. When everything's going along nicely and rosy, rosy, we can forget about God. Whereas we need to hold on to our faith, hold strong to our faith in all circumstances, in the good, in the bad and in the everyday. Some people only seem to have an act of faith when things start to go bad. They get all desperate and they, and they need something from God and so they start to exercise their faith and they start praying. 
And sort of, they treat God like a vending machine. Right, I'm thirsty, I want to get a can of soft drink. So they put a few few prayers in, right? Put a few prayers into God and then I'll get from God what I want. But then when everything seems to be going okay, God means nothing to them. But then other people, when there's a tragedy in their life or, or in their family, they lose their faith in God. Because they've always seen God as some kind of vending machine and we put the prayers in and the answers come out but then God starts to exercise his sovereignty and and he doesn't answer our prayers in the way that we want them answered and so we lose our faith. It's like the vending machine, we put the prayers in but the the can hasn't come out and so we start kicking and bashing and I hit it and we start bashing God. can't believe in a God who would ever let this happen. And then in that very dark place, in the darkest of valleys, when they need God more than ever, they've given up on him. God, you haven't given me what I've asked. I've prayed fervently and you haven't answered that prayer. And so they lose faith. And their faith in God fails. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now I think it would be scary enough somebody, um, a row of thousands of archers shooting arrows at us, But then in addition to that, of course, they dip their arrows in pitch and they fiery arrows, they start firing at you and it might hit the fellow next door and splash over onto you, burning tar. Awful. The very first piece of God's armour that we spoke about was the belt of truth. And when we discussed truth, we discovered that the belt is the piece of armour that holds all of the other pieces of armour together and truth is what defines all of the, what all of the other pieces of armour are. A shield of faith, if it's not based on truth, will be as useful as a sheet of cardboard. But a shield of faith, which is based on truth, will extinguish all of the darts, flaming darts of the evil one. If your idea of faith is that God is going to give you whatever you ask for and answer all of your fervent prayers, I can tell you now that you're going to be disappointed. I can promise you that. But another thing that I can promise you is that if your shield of faith is in Christ Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, and if you hold on to that faith at all times, you will stand strong against the devil and all of his schemes. If your faith is centred around a hope that God is always going to give you good things in life, well, I can promise you that next time there's a drought, then you're going to question whether God's even real and the devil's going to have a little victory. When a loved one gets sick, you're going to wonder, God, how could you let this happen? And the devil's going to have another little victory. When you get old and frail, and you can't do what you used to do. 
or when the bills pile up and there seems to be no way forwards, or when the car breaks down and the house burns down to the ground, your faith is going to be shaken and perhaps even demolished. The fiery darts, you see, go straight through cardboard and light it up. But if your shield of faith is based on truth, if your shield of faith is true faith, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you'll stand strong through all of the trials, through all of the tribulations, that yes, Christians suffer in the world too. Real faith is Christ-centred faith. Last time we, we spoke about the shoes of readiness that come from the gospel of peace. Our faith has to be based entirely on the Lord Jesus Christ and the hope that we have because of the gospel of Christ. So even when your farm falls into the grip of drought, and it will because we live in southwestern Queensland, folks, and droughts is what happens in this part of the world. Now, some people go, oh, no, I negate all those words in the name of the very negative words. No, 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 that's truth. That's truth. We live in a very dry land. So when your farm falls into the grip of drought, so what? It's only physical stuff. Land, livestock, history, heritage, all important stuff and stuff that we value highly. But what's the worst thing that can happen? Well, if the drought goes long enough, you could lose everything. So what? That would hurt enormously. But still, so what? You can only keep it until you die anyway. Your hope is not in a farm because your faith is not in a farm. Your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ and he will hold you secure through this age and in the age to come. When a loved one gets sick, yes we can and we certainly should pray for that person's healing. We're told to do that in the scriptures. But in the sovereignty of God, that person may not recover. But our faith will not be shaken because our faith is not in healing. Our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel of salvation. You're getting the point here? We could go through all of the things that we pray for. And yes, it's okay to pray for those things. But our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ and that the will of God will be done. The spiritual battle is that the devil wants you to lose your faith. And a way that he does that is he gets us to have faith in other things instead of the faith in Christ. And then he starts to hurl at us whatever he can to try and get us to question our faith. 
And what we have to do is recognise what's going on and that's what this passage is about. It's getting us to recognise the spiritual reality about what's going on. And so when circumstances cause me to question my faith, where does that come from? When circumstances cause you to question your faith or cause somebody else to question their faith, where's that coming from? It's an attack of the evil one. So stand firm with your faith in Christ. It's not faith that, that good things are going to happen. It's not faith that everything is going to go well because I can promise you now that everything is not going to go well because Jesus never promised us a bed of roses. He promised us a cross of nails. He said, if you're going to follow me, then you must be prepared to deny yourself to follow me. If you want to know about faith, you can read to the end of Hebrews. And in there, there's a story of all of these great men of faith and amazing things that happened, but all of a sudden it seems to change case and it says, and this man of faith was sawn in two and this man of faith was burnt, boiled in oil and this man of faith... Our task is to stand firm praying at all times in the spirit and to, to endure and not lose faith. In Revelation chapter 13, I read it recently because I'm sort of on a program where I read the Bible every year and so we sort of just got to the end of last year and so I got to Revelation and in Revelation 13, sometimes Revelation is a bit hard for us to understand because it's what we call apocalyptic literature. It's a lot of picture images. And some of it, you know, I hear a really good Bible teacher who I really respect and they explain it and I go, oh yeah, that all fits together. Yeah, I understand what it means. But then I'll listen to another Bible teacher who, who gives an explanation and oh yeah that is what it means but they're two entirely different things and so I've just come to the conclusion that I don't understand it but I know that I will when the time comes but in Revelation chapter 13 I actually find it pretty easy to understand it's telling us that there are terrible times to come terrible times for Christians in Revelation chapter 13 it's not that long until Jesus returns but Christians are being told to hold on and to endure and they have to endure all sorts of things that are going to make the faith of some fail. And many will be convinced to deny Christ. And these are times that we have to be prepared for and to guard against them we have to have this shield of faith. I want to read to you Revelation 13 from verse 5 to... Where have I stopped? And the beast, now the beast is, is a man, we don't know exactly who it is, but somebody totally against God becomes a world leader. The beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God 
blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. That's a scary thought, folks. It's the saints, it's Christians who are being targeted. And we're going to be hurt bad. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation and all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. Well, that's saying everybody is going to worship this, this man and think that they're great. Everybody's going to be against God except the Christians. You're going to be terribly unpopular in these times. All out on your own. Verse 9, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. Now this is saying, this is important. You must listen to this. You must understand this. You're not going to like what you hear, but you must hear it. Verse 10, if anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with a sword, with a sword must he be slain. Right? That's a way of saying these things will be done to Christians and there's nothing that we can do to stop it. Alright? If God has determined that this is going to happen, it will happen. Accept it. Be prepared for it. There's no way around it. The only way is to stand strong, to stand firm. Christians will be imprisoned, accepted. Christians will be slain, accept that. Here is a call for the endurance and the faith of the saints. The shield of faith is not that we will be spared these terrible times. We won't be spared these terrible times. The shield of faith is to endure them. You know, some people get so caught up in the whole prosperity thing that, that they've tried to, tried to make the scriptures say that oh, all the Christians are going to be taken out of the world before the persecutions happen. That is not biblical. You read the Bible looking for the answer of when the Christians are taken out and it's after the great tribulation. The shield of faith is, not, is knowing that even though we're not going to be spared these terrible times, the shield of faith is to endure them. It's to be able to say, look, I don't care what you throw at me, Satan. My faith is in Christ. I know these are going to be terrible times. I know they're going to be painful times. I know there's going to be a great cry of anguish out to God. And I'll be one of those crying out in anguish to God. But I know what you're doing, Satan, and you cannot get me to lose my faith. No matter what happens, don't lose your faith. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. And that's what we are.
I guess the question is, are we ready to answer that call? Or is our faith a shallow faith? Is my faith something that means so much to me that even life itself can go? Because I'm holding on to that faith. Or is my faith something which is shallow, which is just for my own niceness and my own well-being? Many Christians right throughout the world today are already answering that call. In North Korea alone, 50,000 to 70,000 Christians are imprisoned because they will not deny Christ. And life expectancy in a North Korean labour camp is very short. You can imagine in a nation where the general population is starving, you can imagine how those in the labour camps are fed. It's not a political battle. It's a spiritual battle. It's not a battle of terror. It's a battle with the devil himself. A news article I recently read said four young Christians were brutally beheaded in ISIS, sorry, by ISIS in Iraq for refusing to convert to Islam, according to a British reverend forced to flee the country. He told how the horrifying story unfolded of how the youths, all under 15, were murdered for standing up to the jihadists. He said ISIS had killed huge numbers of believers in Jesus. Islamic State turned up and said to the children, you say the words that you're going to follow Muhammad. The children, all under 15, four of them said, no, we love Yeshua. That's how they say Jesus. We've always loved Yeshua. We've always followed Yeshua. Yeshua has always been with us. Isis said, say the words. Children said, no, we cannot. And they cut their heads off. Those four young children stood firm in the faith with their shield of faith held strong. Now, that is the faith that we share. That is the faith that we are called to, to endure. They have already entered the hope that we hold on to. Hold on to your shield of faith. Faith in Christ is the most important thing in our lives. Everything else piles into insignificance. I actually got Ben to choose the songs this morning and I'm so glad he chose that first one. All of my ambitions, hopes and dreams... I surrender them into your hands. Jesus, all for Jesus. All I am and have and ever hope to be.